back to Decuff, the Disney Channel unoriginal podcast. I'm Megan. And I'm Sabrina. Each week, we rewatch a decom, we talk about it, we make some jokes. You all know what we do by now. And we attempt to put it on our ultimate decom ranking. This is a very special episode because we are kicking off our month-long Black History Month special. Each week, we'll be watching a Black-led decom, and we'll be joined by a new special guest for each and every episode in February. This week, we have a returning guest. We are so excited. You all know and love her. She is a great friend of the pod. Please welcome back the beautiful Chidera Nwoko. Thank you guys for not kicking me out. Thank you. I'm really glad to be back. We're so excited to have you. Yes. How have you been? I've been good. I've been, you know, catching up on the latest S's, the V's, the U's, watching Encanto <laughs> too many times. Um, movie. Me too. <laughs> I'm with it. It's one of my faves. And so I'm really just like trying to get through the year as we all are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. <laughs> Trying to make it out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thank you so much for agreeing to come back on the podcast. Yeah. I cannot wait to hear your thoughts on our movie this week. Yes. So this week, we're going to be watching the 2007 double Dutch drama, Jump In. Megan, can you hit us with that summary? When teenage boxing star Izzy Daniels discovers a newfound love of double Dutch, he finds that his new passion may disrupt his family and community. Well, dang. <laughs> so why don't we just hop right into this? Chidera, what was your memory of this movie? Like before you rewatched it, what did you remember from childhood? So this was one of my favorite movies as a kid. And I remember most vividly that little horn music interlude that goes through vividly, <laughs> yes! vividly in my head yeah. was that little horn. Like the transition? Yeah, the, it sounded like it was like a watered down version of like the Seinfeld or Friends, like little intros before they show within the little restaurant they're in or something. I remember yeah. that so vividly when I was a kid. And I also remember being deeply impressed with both the boxing and the double dutch at the time like as a child <laughs> yeah 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 no that's funny because that those horns played and i was like whoa like <laughs> i felt like i was thrown back in time <laughs> sabrina what about you what was some of your memories i mean i was obsessed with corbin blue from <gasps> the too. first high school musical movie so i was pumped when Jump In came out and it easily became one of my favorite decoms. And I also vividly remember how much of a banger this soundtrack is throughout this yes. entire movie. I would listen to those songs on repeat. Mm -hmm. They were so good. And also Double Dutch, I like that was not really a thing in my life when I was younger, but this I was like, okay, so this is what I want to do with my future. I'm going <laughs> to go do Double Dutch because Corbin Blue did it and they looked really cool doing it. So I specifically yeah. remember the final performance that they did for Double Dutch. Yeah. What about you, I Maya? I definitely I also loved Corbin Blue. I had such a big crush on Corbin Blue as a kid 
and now. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I remembered the double dutch and the boxing. And I also remembered that Corbin Blue's dad played his dad in the movie. Like that, that's like going into this, I was like, this is the movie where it's the father and the son. Cause I remember they just promoted that a lot on Disney Channel. Yeah. And I also remembered that it's kind of the same plot as High School Musical. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Very I, similar. I mean- yeah. It's like a Hamlet to Lion King thing. Like, not everything, but a lot. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's an I mean, excellent comparison. And I also love how much we talk about Shakespeare on this podcast. <laughs> we really do. <laughs> Megan, can you tell us a little bit about the writer and director? Absolutely. First off, I want to say this is one of the few Disney Channel original movies that actually has a rating on Rotten Tomatoes, like an actual tomato meter. This movie has a 63% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Pretty good. Pretty good for a yeah, TV for, movie. Yeah, for a TV movie. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about these writers. They're pretty cool. So this movie was written by Doreen Spicer, Regina Hicks, and Karen Gist. So Doreen Spicer has a, a handful of writing credits, but her most notable is that she is the creator of The Proud Family. That's cool. That's so cool. Yeah. And then Regina Hicks was a writer on one of my favorite shows, Sister, Sister. She was also a writer on Tracy Ellis Ross's show, Girlfriends. She wrote a few episodes of Issa Rae's Insecure. And she is one of the co-writers of Camp Rock and Camp Rock 2, The Final Jam. Every black bone in my body is tingling. Yeah. Um, what a resume. And then Karen Gist is a, somewhat of a co-writer with Regina Hicks. She also wrote on Girlfriends, and she also co-wrote Camp Rock and Camp Rock 2. And Miss Karen Gist also was a writer on Grey's Anatomy and the show Mixed-ish. And mm. those two lovely ladies have an upcoming project that they're co-writing together called Sister Act 3. <gasps> Which, according to IMDb, Whoopi Goldberg is already signed on. <gasps> oh my god. This is Exciting. great news. Yes. <laughs> she I'm, like, I, I'm not frozen. I'm frozen in shock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So some amazing writers at the helm of this movie. And the movie was directed by fan favorite Paul Hohen. We've done a few of his movies already. He has done like probably over 20 DCOMs, but you all might remember him. He directed Cloud Nine, an episode we've already done. And Shadera, you might remember this man as he also directed Read It and Weep. Period. (laughs) (laughs) Booked booked and busy. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So do we want to head into what we liked about this movie? Oh, heck yeah. I would love, I would love that. Chidera, what was your favorite thing about this movie? So, saving specifically one character, I loved how complex every character's and their motivations were. Like, Mary wasn't just, like, a goody-goody, and she wasn't, like, flippant about Double Dutch. She was, like, really strong-willed, and yet she also had the ability to be very flexible. Like, when she's told, oh, 
the name is stupid, she changes it. When she's told, like, the routines are lame, she changes it because she cares about, like, the craft. The dad isn't, like, like, he is kind of a, like, mean, like, mean in quotes, but it's because he cares and because of yeah. the loss of, like, his wife and never because he wants to be just, like, a stereotypical mean dad. Like, it's obvious through, like, every single scene how much he cares about his son. And I, like, really loved that. How complex all the characters got to be in it. Except for, you know, one. <laughs> and I can't <laughs> wait till we get to negatives to find out what one you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Serena, what about you? What's one thing that you really liked? I really loved the all of the relationships and it kind of goes off what Chidera was saying. Like they were all very purposeful to the plot and there were a lot of different types of relationships throughout this movie. And I know I talked about this in Johnny Kapahala back on board, but it's like when decom relationships are written well, I feel like they elevate the entire story. And I specifically loved... Izzy and Mary's relationship because it was set up from the beginning. It was not awkward. It never just randomly flipped. They set up that they had a relationship and there was a little like flirty kind of thing going on, but it wasn't a big thing. And they had it from the very beginning, which I feel is a big downfall for a lot of romantic relationships in decom. I I would love to bounce off that because my first thing that I have written down is I... I'm obsessed with the chemistry between Corbin Blue and Kiki Palmer in this movie. Yeah. I thought that it's it might be like high up on the list of like best decom relationships. I just thought that I believed it. I loved how flirty they were. And for some reason in my head, like I went into this thinking like, oh, it's a it's like an enemies to lovers plot line. And it's definitely not at all. Like they are heavy into each other from the jump. And I I loved like anytime they flirted, I was like, ah, it was so fun and cute and flirty. And I loved it. Speaking of from the jump, I feel like they established jump roping very well for like Izzy. Like as in <laughs> the literal first scene that you see him, he is jump roping and not double dutching, but yeah. it like shows that he has the ability to bloom. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 That absolutely. foreshadowing. 100%. Also, I loved Izzy as a character. I thought that he was a really good character. I think he's a good role model for young boys. And he's just charming. He is so yeah. charming. Every time Corbin Blue flashed that little smile, my heart did a flip flop. And he's a good brother. The scene where he uh, fixes his little sister's hair and braids her hair, I was melting. I thought that was so cute. It was adorable. I know that, um, Sabrina, you were talking about this earlier. Now, why did I forget what I was going to say and it mattered? <laughs> oh, the double dutch looked so legitimately cool. Like, yeah. so intensely amazing. To the point where, like, I... Like, I looked up, like, I remember as a kid looking up if there were, like, double dutch leagues near me. Like, as a kid, there were not. <laughs> yeah. Because double dutch is actually not, is not as elevated as a sport as they showed in that film. But <laughs> it made you want to grab a, a pair of ropes and just jump. Like, it was crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have <laughs> a question for you guys. Was jumping rope, 
like a super big thing for you guys like on the playground? Because for me, I never did double dutch, but we had like the one really long jump rope and it was like, I guess single dutch. I don't know, but we would have two girls spinning it and then we would try to like line up as many kids in the rope as possible. And so like that was like a big thing. And like we did little like sing songy things on the playground. So for you guys was jumping rope like a big part of your playground culture? I I know for for me, we definitely had like the same thing you did where it was just like the one rope and like a bunch of kids would do all of like the rhymes and stuff like that. I also have a vivid memory of, did you guys ever do like jump rope for heart? Like the, it was like a charity thing. And so all the kids would like jump rope. And I think it was like something with how long you jump rope, the more money they got. I don't know. I may be completely wrong, but that's where I remember when I was young, our elementary school did that. And so everyone would be like training for jump rope for heart. And it's just like a single like jump rope thing. But that's really, and like I said, like double dutch was not really a thing. So this was one of the first times that I saw like actual double dutch. I think we tried and just failed miserably. Like our tiny little hands could not do two ropes at once. We couldn't figure that out. (laughs) I mean, it does not look simple. No. See, now I feel like like a single Dutch on my own. Like, I feel like a loser now because I was, like, deeply unathletic as a kid. I was a deeply unathletic kid that grew up to be a deeply unathletic woman that you see today. I haven't participated in group sports since the ninth grade, and I'm very proud of myself. I was so clumsy, so ditzy. I once had, like, any ball in a sport you can think of has been thrown at my head and hit to me in the ground. So I was very much a swings girl growing up. Yes, absolutely. I had those swings were calling my name. That's one of the yeah, I funniest feel you things so I think you've ever that. said. I was a swings girl. <laughs> I am I am dying. That is so deeply funny. <laughs> I believe in a swing supremacy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but we have to, we do have to talk about that final, the hot chili steppers, which was the group, the double Dutch group that they were in. That final performance was incredible. Yes. So sick. Rule breaking and groundbreaking. It was incredible. (laughs) You know what, Shanara, thank you for bringing that up. Because there was a moment where I was like, is this allowed? Yeah. The jump rope was completely on the ground. Nobody (laughs) holding it. Nobody near it. They're just loose doing the Cupid shuffle right next to it. They just had a dance break in the middle of their double dutch freestyle routine. Oh, that's a whole thing that I have in the negatives. So I'm just letting you know. I will be bringing that back up. But what I like forgot about and then was surprised again was the neon shoes and the neon ropes that match. And the black lights with their gloves. Yeah, I I loved it. I'm not kidding, you guys. I'm watching this by myself and I see the lights go out in those gloves and I went, oh. (laughs) (laughs) They put on a show for real. Like in some sports movies their win at the end doesn't always feel earned but i think jump in made you really want them to win and they did earn the win you know yes yeah yeah absolutely 
No, I loved it. Going back to some script things, because like, I mean, we could talk about these double Dutch scenes forever. They were so well filmed and it was just awesome. But more on the script side, I loved all of the themes in this movie. Like we had, I would say like three major themes going around. And I think like one of those is gender roles and like destroying the gender roles and then family dynamics and also like racial stereotypes and this idea of uh, young black men feeling the need to like put up this front and for them to like take out their anger. And I loved like, I loved that them just like crushing all these stereotypes in this movie. I loved it. Yeah, I, I agree. I think like one of, it was probably the, she was probably the least used character was Tammy, but I I loved her. her. I, I loved her purpose. I, I thought she had really great moments, like really great, like well-written moments, but I feel like she was one of the most impactful, especially when it came to the gender roles and like her speech to Izzy. I really loved, I loved when she like shut down the sexist comments that him and his friends were making. And she was like a very strong female presence in this very like male dominated world. And even though she was probably the least used character throughout the movie, I think she had one of the most impactful like arcs and lines through the movie. And I just, I, I also was like, I really need her. And was it Chuck? Was that his friend? Yeah, Chuck. Like for them to get together. I was like, if they aren't together in the end, I'm going to be sad. Chuck was Mm. cute. I got, can't, yeah. Very, very cute. Chuck was very cute. They are both very funny in a, not to bring it up again, in a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> is, is these two friends? Absolutely. Like, yeah. yes. I love a comedy duo. I love Timon and Pumbaa. Whoever the two people <laughs> who are laughing and gaffing together, I'm a big fan of them. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that was one of my positives as well. I love yeah. Izzy's two friends. And then I loved Mary's two friends, the other two girls on the Double Dutch team. Yes. Yeah. I thought the um, side characters in this movie really went off. Agreed. Agreed. I think as like a black person watching this whenever I was growing up, I was just really excited to see stories that aren't about pain. And I think like pain is super important to be acknowledged, especially the pain that like black people face in America, black women face in America. But I thought it's also super important to show people, like, especially, like, Black children that they can also just have joy. Like, they can also, like, just Mm -hmm. jump rope and just, like, kiss this, like, boy that you live in the same apartment complex in, which is a really bad idea in the long term, but whatever. (laughs) It's, like, like, real, like, the mom died, which is sad, but Disney-level sad not in a black trauma kind of sad. It was just a fun movie where it could have been any cast in any group and they didn't try and make the characters all seem like neutral. They were like black kids, like enjoying their like black life in black culture, but not in a way that involved them constantly suffering. Yeah, absolutely. That, that was beautiful. (laughs) What you just said, like, yeah. Yeah. No, and I think that's something I I liked what you said, too, about I don't think they shied away from the black culture in the movie. And I want to talk more about the theme of, of like, especially the black men in this movie and like Rodney and Izzy specifically, because there was a moment 
that I loved. And it's when Rodney challenges Izzy to the rematch and they like ambush him at the gym, which I was like, whoa. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was a lot. <laughs> that, that, that was a lot. Did we all think that he was going to get jumped? I literally thought they were going to jump him. <laughs> yeah, in his father's gym. Like, whoa, bold. Honestly. But so they go in and then they're fighting and Izzy is just like, no, I'm not going to fight you anymore. And I loved the line where he said, I'm tired of being mad. And mm-hmm. you see this moment on Rodney's stage, which I thought Rodney was an interesting character. Like he mm. he's going through a lot at home and he's so angry all the time and you see this moment on the actor's face where he's like i am also tired of being mad and i would love for us to like kind of discuss that a little more just because i think it i think it was an awesome thing to show young children who might be watching this movie i think so much of the film touches on like being your true self and not letting what others like expect of you or like I don't know, the ability to let yourself be yourself. Like the first time Rodney's given the clothes, he throws them away despite needing them because he won't let himself be himself. Like as in take help from others, not just be angry and hurt and have walls put up by the world. And he has to learn that lesson from another person who has also learned to accept themselves for the things that they want and the person that they are and accepting that you do not need to be hyper masculine to be happy that you can like do what you want especially the hyper masculine because boxing is like is a way for them to like release their anger and it's so clear how much anger Rodney has that he's not able to release in any other way other than like fighting and being aggressive and that's why he wants to fight so bad is he wants to prove that he's okay and he doesn't need anybody he doesn't need anything and I think it was super important for him to have that arc like nothing warmed me more than because when me I was watching it and I remember being like who the hell is this narrator? Yes. <laughs> who the hell is this narrator? Like, who is this? Every single scene, I was like, who is this man? <laughs> and for it to be Rodney at the end was heartwarming. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Absolutely. No, I, I had the same moment as you where every time it was on, I was like, who is this? I don't like this narration. And then it paid off in the end and I ended up really liking it. Because I And yeah. I also loved like this implication that when Rodney let go of his anger, he actually became a better boxer. Yes. Yeah. And I think his overall arc throughout the movie was subtle, but in the best way. Like Mm -hmm. they didn't have it an abrupt flip, which they tend to do a lot. Or like even when he showed up to the competition, like he didn't sit with their friends. And when he came up to Izzy or Izzy went up to him, Izzy was like, I don't want to fight. And he was like, I'm not here for that. And which easily could have been like and made sense for Izzy to guess because that was every other time he came up to Izzy. But I think because they did it in a subtle way, it didn't feel fake. It like yeah. it didn't feel like you cheated him out of what he was actually like what a person would actually be going through. And yeah. you okay. saw those slight changes of like, oh, he's realizing that there's more than just anger in this world and he can he can learn these lessons from these other people and especially Izzy and find his way out of that anger. And it wasn't a huge flip, but it was just subtle enough that you saw bit by bit him kind of changing his mindset. 
And even from the beginning of when we first meet Rodney, he's never a full antagonist. He's almost somewhat kind of like an anti-hero, I guess, because there's not really an antagonist in this movie. I guess the antagonist is society and the pressure that we put on boys to perform masculinity and not enjoy like things like double dutch, you know? And so I guess in, in that case, that's the real antagonist. But I like that Rodney was always seen as just he's misunderstood. Yeah. Yeah. I also want to talk about how this movie ties up every loose end that it has. Yeah. There is not one thing that is left undone. And that, especially with how many characters there are in this movie and how many relationships there are, like even the little thing of Tammy liking Chuck, like that was tied at the end. And just like even the little things, everything had a purpose to the plot and it ended up happening and it just felt so satisfying at the end especially with like the Rodney reveal everything was just perfectly in its place by the end of the movie that I was like that was great like there was no questions that I had by the end of the movie yeah on a on a lighter note I I loved watching Izzy parkour all the way through Brooklyn I had no category for this so right now in between Sabrina and Megan I'm right in the middle wherein I was like what does this have to do with boxing or jump rope? But I all right, it was hilarious. <laughs> okay, I do have to say, now this brings up something. We've been watching a lot of movies where sports are involved. And so like stunt double wise, they hid this one pretty well for the most part. Um, yeah. Like you could definitely tell by the way they were shooting it, like it wasn't obviously him, but like you couldn't obviously see another person's face, which was nice. But the whole time, every time he like randomly flipped or jumped off a wall or something, I was like, what does this have to do with anything? Why is I... he tumbling in the streets? <laughs> the thing One... is, I know people who would tumble in the streets. <laughs> I'm telling you this. One of the earliest scenes of the movie, Izzy picks up an orange, throws it up in the air, and does three flips. And if that was my fruit stand, I would tell you to get away from my nectarines because it was so crazy. <laughs> like, it, it was just, it's the casualness by which he did, like, as in, there was never a context for why he was flipping in the middle of the street. And he doesn't need one. I guess joy is the reason, <laughs> but it's so strange. Like, honestly, he should have been doing, like, a floor routine for gymnastics, doing all of that. Like, yeah. that's really what he should have been going for. But I, just, the, I know people who, like, well, I had friends in high school. We'd walk through the halls, and they would be dancing. And, like, if there was room, I know they would parkour the shit out of those halls. <laughs> I feel like the original draft of this film was called Flip In, and then they decided... <laughs> change it to jump rope but they they didn't really rewrite <laughs> some of the flips no, like literally the whole like first scene is just him doing parkour and i was like where does jump rope come into this so i was confused <laughs> but so i guess before we move on to negatives does anyone have any like some rapid fire positives because i have a couple more that i can just fire off but i would love for you all to finish your lists out yeah i have a few i I loved the fire escape setting for yes. uh, Izzy and Mary. I loved that that was like their space and that's where they met and they had really good moments there. And I also loved Mary's 
iconic line. Like I remember this from when I was a child where she was like already forgotten and turns her back and walks out. I was like, that's a great, great line, power line for her. And just overall, the sass from all of the females in this movie was (laughs) immaculate. And I really appreciated it. Very incredible. G, do you have any more on on your positives list? I am a big fan. And this is going to be somewhat alternate to the thing I'm going to say in negative. I am a big fan of shallow like just mean catty characters. I'm the biggest, biggest fans. So the alternate team, the dragons, Dutch dragons, the Dutch mm-hmm. dragons, that little leader girl who just showed up in those two scenes just to say a couple <laughs> mean things. We didn't need to know where she came from. We didn't need to know where she was going. And you know what's crazy? <laughs> the first time we see her, she's being mean. And she's right. That's the most evil part. <laughs> is they are significantly better than them. And so it's even more gratifying that they beat her because they used to be legitimately better than them. And yeah. ooh, to stick it in the mean person's face that used to be better than you, that's the best feeling on earth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So my rapid fire, I loved Mary, when Mary kissed Izzy on the balcony, I was like, girl, this could be messy, but also just like from a, from an adult perspective, I loved how innocent it was. It was very quick and sweet. And I loved that it didn't have to be super serious and it wasn't this big makeout. It was a quick peck and it was just so pure. And I loved that because they are children. And I think we come, we kind of forget that sometimes. Uh, the soundtrack banger unlocked so many parts of my brain. And then I loved Corbin Blue's dad's final monologue when he is talking to his son. And it made me emotional because as I was watching it, I was just thinking like how many young boys were watching this movie and that's like what they want their dad to say to them. You know, like it, it, it felt like it was even filmed in a way where it felt like the dad was talking to the audience as well. Mm. And he was just saying like all the right things. It wasn't very subtle, but I, I liked that because like I said, I felt like it's exactly what some young boys needed to hear watching it. And then my last thing, I loved the silly little tag at the end of the movie where the dad is jumping rope. (laughs) Oh yeah. That was cute. That was very wholesome. One last thing that I did forget is that I really loved that So whenever I watch like any movie, I notice when there is like the one minority friend of the friend group. And I kind of loved that every character in Jump In got their little like white counterpart. Like Rodney gets like a little white little menace to be right by him. And then a romantic lead somewhere. And then the alternate team to the Red Hot Chili Steppers, which incredible name. I don't think we've all acknowledged what an incredible suable name it is, but it's incredible. The the team there is and so it's like it's kind of it was it was interesting to see because I feel like most people don't ever notice how like how minorities are often like people of color are used in films where it's like just like oh you get one for fun and seeing the inverse is really interesting and I think it kind of illuminates what that's like when you are hardly ever presented as the majority and even within Jump In it was like I would say like 30 to 40 percent of the cast was still like 
white, but it it was it's very rare to see films where the majority of the speaking characters, the majority of like the main characters that we're following throughout the films, the protagonists, the people that we're following are like black or people of color, like at all. And so it was just like fun to see. And so that was like silly, but also like real, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I guess it's time for us to transition into negatives. So Chi, why don't you start us off? What is your first negative of this movie? So, and throughout like hearing you guys and us talking about it, I've actually kind of softened the intense hate that I had earlier, but I still stand by that I think I think Rodney deserved a little bit more respect. Not like respect as a character. I just mean that the same character who gets water thrown on them, like poured over their head in a little fun, cute chase scene, doesn't really feel like the same character who got that really wonderful handshake at the end, who got to be like the person that is revealed to be the narrator that we're like satisfied by that we've seen the arc. I feel like for a certain part of the film, he was like a fee fi fo fum yeah. a little bit. And then they kind of changed that at the end, which is also true to the narrative in that he felt like he could only ever be mean. But to me, he was sometimes treated like like a joke in a way. But then at the last act, he was serious, you know? Yeah, I I could definitely see that because there were some points where I kind of thought he came off a little goofy. And I think like like uh, like when you say respect you mean like from the other characters like in the school like more respect for him i don't or like a reverence i think i, I could see that i think maybe like the the writers in how they wrote because like yes. i think the scene where like he's tripped up into getting like called into the principal's office is like silly and fun and the water yeah. thing was really silly and really like fun but then you're supposed to be like he's like a real threat mm-hmm. and yeah maybe i maybe some more reverence from characters because it is characters who are doing this and if i had a person who i perceived like rodney in my school i would never like throw water at their head and run because <laughs> they could kill me yeah. yeah speaking of ronnie there's like one scene where it kind of speaks to this like silliness but it's when he catches izzy doing double dutch that whole scene felt off for his character to me yeah i was That's like the this scene i was feels... talking about when i thought he was kind of goofy yeah, yeah it feels a little too silly and i was like this doesn't feel like the rest of rodney and so i completely agree that there were some moments that didn't really fit writing wise with his whole character yeah yeah and that was definitely one of them where i was like this feels weird like this feels like a funny goofy disney villain rather than what they started rodney as exactly yeah sabrina what about Um, what about you what's a what's a dislike from you i think the insults in this movie were (laughs) comical calling someone chicken was like the worst thing you could say to a human being in this movie (laughs) yeah i thought that was hilarious and also um on the flyers that rodney made of izzy double dutching it said izzy daniels sugar spice and everything nice is that supposed to be a roast I think it's meant to be like vaguely, loosely Disney-fied homophobic, you know? Yeah. Like as I it's all so pink too. paper yeah. and it's okay. like, oh, he's sugary. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, that's <laughs> so, like, what the fuck? Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so bad. 
Should I say I'm bi? Oh my God. That, that is like, that was a saying, like, that's like an old saying, like sugar and spice and everything nice. That's what little girls are made of. And so like, that's the entire phrase. And so like, that's what you would say about like little children growing up in like the, in like the fifties and sixties. And so oh. I think that was definitely like them making fun of his masculinity. Okay. I mean, it definitely felt like because of the pink paper and like, I, I understood that it was supposed to be emasculating, but it mm-hmm. just like with the way he reacted, I was like, this feels very serious. And that phrase is not coming off as serious as I think they wanted it to. I th- I um, definitely think like if this was made by HBO, it would have had like a gay slur on it or something. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> but like, like I understood like chicken was like a, you know, it's 2007 and that's like a very like young insult. So I was like, that would be a Disney insult. But it was, yeah, the flyers, I was like, this seems a lot more serious. And I'm just not getting the seriousness of it because it doesn't yeah. seem like it. But I also just thought they were very comical. And yeah. I I wasn't a fan that I thought that it was comical because I knew it was supposed to be super serious. Yeah, I get that. That makes sense. My, okay. So my kind of like two big, big negatives for the movie could both be solved if this movie was two hours rather than an hour and a half. So I like I guess I can like kind of talk about both of them since like they're both they're kind of like all intertwined. I I wanted to see stronger relationships from this movie. I I I don't fully disagree with you, Sabrina, in that like I like I it's not like I don't like them. I think Izzy and Mary's relationship is the strongest one in the movie, but like specifically the relationship between him and his dad, I felt like it just seemed a little more rushed than I remember it to be from when I was a kid. And I just think that like, if we had had more time to devote to that, it would have been better. Like, I think we have a lot of great payoffs in this movie, but I don't think we had all of the groundwork laid out for it. And then like going into that, I wish that we had seen Izzy struggling with his love of boxing before he found Double Dutch. Because for me, when I was watching it and he said like, oh, I don't like boxing anymore. I was kind of confused because at the beginning of the movie, we see him genuinely liking boxing and he it's something that he enjoys. And it's, I never got the vibe that he was just doing it for his dad. And I think the point where we're supposed to get that is in the montage where he's doing double dutch. And then when he's in the gym, he's tired and he's not in it. But I just got the vibe that he was tired. Like he was overworking himself, not that he was losing his passion for boxing. And so I kind of wanted to see more of that before he found Double Dutch. And also, I think I would have liked to have seen a little more anger from him to pay off that amazing moment that I loved where he said, I'm tired of being angry. Because I didn't see a lot of anger from Corbin Blue. And like the small moments I did, I didn't, I can't take him very seriously when he's angry. I'm talking mainly about the moment where he <laughs> said, your mama's real pretty. <laughs> And he was like so mad and it made me laugh a little bit. But again, like all of these things, they really tackled a lot of different things. And I think that the payoffs for those were so good. Like Sabrina said, there are no loose ends. But I think if the movie had just been 30 minutes longer, we could have gotten a lot Mm. more groundwork and everything would have hit a lot harder. That's exactly how I feel about the gender thing. Yes. Specifically mm. because every time yeah. we see a double dutch group that isn't the dragons or like the chili steppers, it is co-ed. Yeah. Like 
the, there are many groups that are shown that are co-ed. And Izzy says once, like, oh, don't tell like anyone about this. But no character is ever shown before the reveal to, well, I guess the friends are somewhat, but never to the degree of outrageously laughing at you playing double dutch, especially because they all saw him singularly like jumping rope. And so for me, while I found, like, I really loved the payoff, especially because of the scene with the, like, girl boxer whom I stand. Yeah. Tammy. Tammy, I just felt like I wish we had seen more people side-eye it or be, like, before we had that, like, mean girls moment with the pictures everywhere because they kept showing, like, guys actively being in it and it was never commented on like if there had been a moment where Izzy had been like oh I didn't know guys did this before it would yeah that's yeah I mean and I I that's something I agree to like speaking on Tammy we said earlier like these side characters really did go off I think another if we had 30 more minutes in the movie we could have had a lot more development for these side characters that we already love like I would have loved to have seen more of Keisha and Shauna the other two girls on the double dutch team I would have loved to have seen an actual love story for Chuck and Tammy and then give more time to his other friend who's I don't know his name to just be a clown like he was the whole movie (laughs) yeah no I can definitely like see what you're saying with the relationships and like wanting more time with them because I honestly this is one movie where there was never one point where I was like, okay, is this moving on? Like, can this yeah, move on? Same. I wanted more. So I could, yeah. I totally agree. I wish there were, there was more time for, you know, the father son relationship, even like the brother sister relationship loved that wanted more of that. And the side characters, honestly, there was a point where I was like, I want a Tammy spinoff. Like where's her yeah. boxing movie? I want that. And I do think there were some heavy themes that, could have been played out a little better. They still hit. Like you still understood yeah. what they were getting at. But I think you could have gotten a lot more out of them had they had the extra time and not had yeah, to like stay I said, in like, the hour 30. Amazing payoff. I just don't think we got enough groundwork. Another thing that I wish we'd gotten a little bit more, like literally just like five minutes more, is Izzy struggling to learn how to double dutch. You know, like just one more scene because we had 30 seconds of, oh, I don't understand this move. And then immediately it was like Michael Jordan of (laughs) double dutch. (laughs) But also like, let me tell you, little Megan watching that movie, when he like hopped out of those ropes and smiled and walked away, I was like, oh, my heart. (laughs) (laughs) And... There was there was also a moment where he was like doing all his parkour flips and stuff. And he was like, oh, I'm going to try like freestyle or whatever. And so he could do freestyle. But in the scene before it, he couldn't do like the basic double dutching. And I was like, how does that work? Like, how does he know how to do the harder part of the skills? So I was yeah. also a little confused when he was like trying to learn. I definitely would have loved to see him kind of try and fail more Mm -hmm. um, and Mm -hmm. seeing the girls help him out and like teach him more because I think that would be an interesting dynamic. Yeah. Yes, it would and really give drive more home. give more to Keisha and Shauna because I really yes. liked them. I wish they yeah. had had more. Yeah, because we know I love continuity errors. There was a moment where Rodney falls out of the boxing ring and he obviously you can see him fall onto a mat. But then in the close up in the next scene, he is on He's the on hardwood the- floor. 
And I was like, he, that would have hurt one. <laughs> and two, he like, it was obviously you could hear the mat. You could see the mat. And I was like, just leave the mat. It's a boxing ring. Like, it doesn't matter if there's a mat on the floor or not. Just leave it. Not but only, that was just a little thing. Not only that, the crowd was so intense after he fell onto like the floor. And yeah. I did not know what the crowd wanted him to do. Beat the oh crap God. out of Rodney yeah. on the ground. Yeah. No, they really were like, Izzy, finish him. And I was yeah. like, what? <laughs> like, finish I, him? I you want get him past to it. Kill, kill, kill this man in his father's gym? <laughs> With yeah, it was so intense. <laughs> I was nuts. <laughs> oh, I have two little more technical notes. The underscore, The underscoring was strong. With this one, there were some like just one on one scenes where I was like very aware of the underscoring. It was just like screaming at me, being like, You should feel this way. And then there was a lot of bad ADR throughout the movie. Yeah. A-, a lot on Kiki Palmer's lines, which <sighs> yes. she was she was very young. So like I I get that, but I just I noticed it a lot on her lines specifically. I was recently watching the film Obsessed with Beyonce and it felt like every single take was done in ADR, but just one pitch higher than their normal voice. And that's how I felt about Kiki Palmer because, and this is of course Kiki Palmer is an adult. Kiki Palmer's voice is a lot lower, but every single time that like she spoke, it sounded like like Ariana Grande, it was so like high and very airy, it and I couldn't tell whispery. if it was. Yeah, I don't. I couldn't tell if it was kids speak or like the, in the re-record they were like, "Well, do it up a little bit." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know because she was fourteen when they did this movie. Yeah. So, but I did notice that a lot. I have two little negatives. One, there was a random traffic shot before one of the competition scenes that never showed up again. It was very useless and just randomly thrown in there. And then I I told you guys I was going to bring this up earlier, but the second question mark performance at the end of their big competition performance where they just danced in front of the ropes, I was very confused because I was like, they just ended one routine, I, right? I, and then I was like, was or did, unclear. is this a part? unclear because i thought that it was all one but i definitely thought that when the kiki palmer song ended the routine was over and then suddenly we got push it to the limit which by the way push it to the limit by corbin blue perhaps one of the greatest songs in the western canon of music (laughs) 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 i'm sorry i think i forgot (laughs) that song <laughs> I forgot that song existed and it truly hit so hard. I feel like they were just like, okay, if we're going to have a Kiki Palmer song at the end, we also have to have a Corbin Blue song. And they were just like, we're just going to make it kind of two, but also one performance at the end. And I mean, the sound, like we've already talked about how the soundtrack is a banger. The song, Where Do I Go From Here? I think it's by like Sebastian something. I listened to that song outside of like knowing that it was from this movie. Like, it's just a great song. And that's how so many of these are. But I really feel like in that performance, like ending, they were just like, we have we have both of them. So we have to have both of their songs in it. And I was just very confused why they started Push It to the Limit. Yeah, I, I don't know the rules of double Dutch competition, but 
if we were the judges, I would have disqualified the moment the ropes were on the ground for more than 30 seconds because they were fully dancing, like just yes, fully yeah. dancing, like not even pretending to double touch. No, I, I also feel like they were like, oh, Corbin Blue's a dancer. Let's just make him dance. And that was yeah. the choice. And also, I don't know, because I really don't watch Double Dutch tournaments. I don't know what the opinion on single roping while two out of four of your members are wrapping the Double Dutch in the back. Because Corbin, because that move, the iconic one that the father looks like he's going to cry in, is where he's jumping while flipping with a singular rope. And I just kept thinking... Well, that can't be part of double Dutch. The operative word is double. (laughs) Right. I I do have to say that is one of the most impressive things I've ever seen in my life. Extremely impressive. I mean, all of the double Dutching like scenes are so impressive. Like, especially the ones where uh, it was, were they on like a uh, basketball court or they were just like, uh, like these kids were just double Dutching. It looked like for fun. And it was the most impressive thing I've seen. Well, I, that that's one of my fun facts I, I'll throw out now. The kids who were double-dutching on that basketball court, they are actually a real double-dutch team from Maryland. That's so cool. That's yeah. so cool. They were really good. <laughs> yeah. One small thing, like extremely small. I would kill or die for the audience size that shows up to a semi-final of a double dutch <laughs> tournament every crowd every every stage is huge and every crowd is full i have had theatrical shows for multiple runs that have had one tenth of the amount of people that have watched a sport i have never seen broadcast on television where are they seeking out the people for double dutch audiences that honestly though you're not wrong because if i'm thinking like say so there's probably what eight double dutch teams that's being generous and there's four on each team the fact that it's more than just the parents of all of these kids (laughs) yeah like (laughs) that was that was probably the most unrealistic thing in the movie (laughs) is that the crowds were backed so is that everything for negatives for you guys yes Mm ma'am okay then let's move on to fashion yes i would like to say this is a hair thing i loved all the braids in this movie i was obsessed with like all of I thought it was so cool. And I can't think of any other DCOM that has done this. Granted, we're only like 18 movies in. But this is the first time where I've seen black characters with black hairstyles. Yes. In like throughout the whole movie. And they, I just, I, I remember as a kid thinking that the braids were so cool. And I just, I loved that like, like we got to see this part of black culture represented in every character that came across the screen. Let's talk about jealousy because when I was watching, I felt an amount of jealousy that cannot be described by human words. The braids, the locks, everyone's hair was perfectly well done. And I always got my like hair done by my sister whenever we hear like she would always braid my hair or whatever I wanted to do. But all of the hairstyles were so cute and they were styled in such different ways headbands Mm. ponytails the clip-ins at the back of like mary's hair that were and also they matched the color of izzy's necklace because they were red and yellow and green which was kind of iconic of them to do yes i didn't even think about that 
Yeah, me neither. Oh, I love that. Amazing. And they're like... The first look that I was kind of obsessed with, one, it is on Corbin Blue, and I was already obsessed with him. So that yeah. may have helped. But Izzy with the bun and then his gold and black boxing uniform, hell Period. hot. <laughs> hot. <laughs> <laughs> and okay, we have to remember, he was 18 when this movie was filmed. For legal okay, purposes. We were... <laughs> okay, but okay, let's think about this. We were nine when this came out, so it's okay that we were thirsting over Corbin Blue's children. Yes, this is true. He, this is true. And he was the no. fantasy. Yeah, <laughs> yes, he was. Corbin oh my God. Blue in in with the bun and hair down. The fact that he can yes. do both looks and still be hot. I'm how. I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. The amount of Corbin Blue posters that I had on my wall when I was a young child was Didn't you meet a- Corbin Blue. I did at a car show once. <laughs> the fact that you haven't told this story on the podcast is ridiculous. Right now, now when it's apt. Yeah. So apparently like we were going to, I think it was a car show or something. Like we were going to a car show, but I think he was like near it or at the car show. And I want to say it was like in DC or something. And I found out on the way there that he was going to be there signing autographs for whatever reason. And so I panicked because I had nothing to hand to him to sign I was panicking and so I found this like random piece of paper and I drew on it to give to him and I got in line and I was like I guess I'll just have him sign this and a girl in front of me gave you know the high school musical playing cards that had all of the characters faces on it she gave me one of his playing cards and I so nervously went up to this man and like handed him my like hand-drawn picture and my little card and he stood up and he was like, this is so sweet. Thank you. And hugged me. And I almost broke down. I'm not going to lie. I was not okay. <laughs> How old and I don't even know. I was probably, I want to say this was during the high school musical thing, but not at the very beginning. So I would probably say like 11, maybe like 10, 11. Met Mr. Corbin. <laughs> yeah. I... Prime time. <laughs> I was, I was going insane. I was like, oh my God, this is the best day of my life. And honestly, it's still a highlight of my life. As it should be. I would have acted nonchalant so that he would fall in love with me, but. (laughs) I couldn't. I could not handle myself. I I wouldn't either. (laughs) When your dream boat's right in front of you, how can you take it? He was like my biggest crush. I'm obsessed with the idea of like a seven-year-old Chi. To a 20-year-old Corbin Blue. <laughs> hey Corby. I would be like, oh, I've I'm never single. Even, I haven't even seen high school musical. What is that? <laughs> Who even are you? You know what? It might it could work. <laughs> If it did, he would be an awful person, but I'd be right as rain. <laughs> I can just, you have like your best shrug from limited two on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> beads in my stunned. hair. Yeah, be- oh. beads in your hair. Maybe one of those shirts that had that monkey on it that was yeah. too dumb. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Which, getting us okay. back to fashion. <laughs> yeah, I was about um, to say. I-, I loved all of Izzy's outfits in the whole movie and I loved his little necklace that had the flags of the Jamaican or the colors of the Jamaican flag because Corbin Blue has Jamaican heritage 
Um, and I think all of the girls' outfits in this movie were awful. <laughs> you, know, you know what? Let's be kind and call it of the era. <laughs> yeah. No I, no, I literally, I like, I was looking at them and I was like, okay, these are bad, but also 2007 me would have been so jealous. Like, yeah, the, okay, I do have to call out the skirt over the jean capris. <sighs> For practice. For <laughs> yes. practice. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that was her workout look. Like, I was like, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> I will say Mary had one good outfit uh, that wasn't like a competition outfit. And she had this cute little denim dress that she wore at one point. And I I was like, oh, that is cute. The rest of them, though, as awful as the outfits were, if we are looking of the time, these are the best outfits of the time. (laughs) And that is saying something. Yeah. And... The competition clothes held up pretty okay. Not everybody's. I think the Dutch dragons looked appalling. Yeah, and <laughs> like it was really a sight to see. But uh, the Hot Chili Steppers final freestyle outfit. Yeah, it was kind of fire. I loved yeah. it. I, I'd wear it. <laughs> I do have to say the worst look, in my opinion, of the entire movie was the host at the competition. Shut he was mouth. wearing a bright <laughs> orange suit with a Don't matching orange top hat ri- with rhinestones. Don't you dare dull this man's shine. No, listen. <laughs> swear to God. <laughs> it was the most of an outfit I've ever seen. I mean, he was wearing like a lavender shirt and then a giant chain as well. You know, and I did write, why is a pimp hosting this double dutch competition? Exactly. However, exactly. <laughs> we're not going to hate on him. Why is Flavor of Love being taped on this thing? <laughs> it just felt so out of place for what this that competition joke. was. I was like, is this normal for double Dutch competitions? I was just very confused. Flavor Flav is the host. <laughs> <laughs> it's his part-time gig. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Would I you guys? It. Yeah. Do you have any more nope. fashion notes? I just no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Well, would you all like to know some fun facts about this movie? Indeed. Yes. Awesome. Please. I I have a, I have a handful. I have some I have some good ones going in. So on premiere night, this movie garnered eight point two million viewers. Beating out the current record holders, Cheetah Girls 2 and High School Musical. Wow. Yeah. It was later beat by High School Musical 2, which still holds the Disney Channel record for most premieres or most viewers on premiere night. But I thought that was a pretty cool fact. Also, Kiki Palmer and Corbin Blue had to train for Double Dutch for six hours a day. Dang, that's commitment. Yeah. And Corbin Blue apparently got very good at it to the point where he performed some of his own jumping stunts, like the donkey kick and the push-ups that that he does in the ropes. So like (sighs) those stunts are Corbin Blue. The flips and stuff, his stunt double. But like that's a good amount of his own stunts. Like those looked hard. Also, everybody except the main actors are all on professional double dutch teams. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. You mean they're all authentic? Yeah, like all all of like the other teams that you see are professional double dutchers. 
That's yeah. really cool. No yeah. wonder they're and, so much better. And now here's, uh, yeah. here's my wildest fun fact. This movie was originally called Double Dutch. And it was set to star Raven Simone. Are you joking? I'm not. This was this was on Imagine. Wikipedia, Disney fandom, and IMDb. <laughs> Imagine the difference. I know. It was later revamped into Jump In starring Corbin Blue. I don't know if you guys want to hear how stupid I am. When Megan said that, I thought it was going to be a lesbian love story. <laughs> I wish. I thought they were going to keep Miss Kiki. <laughs> and I was I like, loved that. no wonder they changed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Raven Simone is not in this movie, but some other actors are. And I would just love to know where they are now. Well, let me tell you. So we're going to start with Corbin Blue, the titular role in <laughs> this movie. How did I know that was coming? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, I didn't mean to say that out loud. <laughs> We're keeping no. it. Uh, <laughs> so Corbin Blue started in commercials at the age of two and was modeling by the age of four. <laughs> Makes sense. Yes, absolutely. And then at the age of six, he appeared in his first professional off-Broadway production. Both of their jaws are on the floor for those of you who are Oh, listening. yeah, this is not, you can't see us. <laughs> <laughs> I need Note you to, to know self. I reacted the same way. Note to self, more auditory reaction. <laughs> <laughs> then he worked steadily in TV and film roles from 1996 to 2005, including ABC's High Incident, the film Galaxy Quest, and Nickelodeon's The Amanda Show, which I did not realize he was on. <gasps> Yeah, now I want to look up him on the Amanda show. Yeah. Because he must have been pretty young. He was still in high school. So, And then he graduated from high school in 2007, which was the year after he did the first high school musical movie. And the year he ended up doing Jump In. And just after high school musical, that was when his career really launched with Disney. And Jump In was what launched his solo music career with his song, Push It to the Limit. So, yeah, makes total sense. That's going to be like my wedding dance song. (laughs) I will go so hard to that song with you at your wedding. I need you to know that. I will bring double dutch. (laughs) (laughs) Us trying to double dutch on the dance Can you imagine me in my wedding dress and then I rip off the long skirt to reveal a romper and then we just start double dutching? (laughs) I was fully hoping you would have a skirt over jean (laughs) completely. That's that's it. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> My family's going to be like, what? <laughs> well, and then the I'll be now. like, well, you should have listened to the podcast. And then you'd be in the know. This is really <laughs> funny right fan. now. This is really funny. <laughs> um, so since Jump In, he's obviously appeared in a lot of TV shows and films. And he was also, he's also performed in musical theater roles because of his extensive dance background. So he's been doing everything. Wasn't yeah. he Usnavi in, in the Heights? Like in a production of it? Like on yeah. Broadway. Like I think he replaced oh, Lin-Manuel. M- maybe. I don't know. He had a bunch of credits and there was no way I was going to list all of them. So maybe. I know he was in um, 
I want to say it was like Singing in the Rain or like American in Paris or something I like just, that. Like a very dance musical. I have um, this memory of when I was a kid seeing him on a poster for In the Heights. And I didn't know what In the Heights was at the time. And I wanted to see it, but I don't think we we got to. He was? Yes. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah, he's done a lot of Broadway stuff because he is a trained dancer and he has been since a child. So he he also did uh, Mamma Mia, which I think Dove Cameron was in. Was it Dove Cameron or was it? I think they played opposites in that. So he's done a lot of musical theater as well. He also did Lifetime's A Christmas Dance Reunion alongside Monique Coleman from <sighs> High School Musical which was the best reunion of two people I have ever seen. It's everything I've wanted. You saw it? No, not yet, but I need to. (laughs) I'm just like- Oh my God. I saw a TikTok that they made together and I was like, ah, and I I have to see it. We have to see it. Yeah, I know. We'll watch it and then also do it on the podcast. Review it on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. And then he also has some 2022 movies already in the can. So we're going to see more of him on the big screen. I love that. I love that he's still booked and busy. And next, we have the Kiki Palmer as Mary. She, she's been doing a lot too. I mean, their careers really kicked off with Disney. So they've been doing a bunch. But she actually started at the age of 11 with her first film role in 2004's Barber Shop 2 Back in Business as the niece of Queen Latifah's character. Mm. Which, what a way to start your (laughs) film career. And then in 2005, she signed a record deal with Atlantic Records. And her career kept climbing after that. And then she actually had, she almost had a Disney show called Kiki and Jamal, but it was never picked up, which is sad. <gasps> I've heard about this. Really? Yes. I think I saw test footage from it. I, I had never heard of it. And I'm so sad that it never happened. I think like some test footage leaked on Twitter. Oh, <sighs> no wonder she snuck around with Nickelodeon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so after that show wasn't picked up, she went on to her career changing roles in Aquila and the Bee, which is one of her like most notable roles. Great. She went to she went on to be in Medea's Family Reunion, Nickelodeon's True Jackson VP, which Excellent I remember show. watching. Yes. I watched that religiously as a kid. And Joyful Noise which is- Oh my God. Also a I love movie. Joyful Noise. Sorry, yes. don't need to yell. I forgot about that movie and I love it so much. She also was the first black Cinderella on Broadway in 2014. Very late, but very happy. Yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> precisely. <laughs> and she also starred in Grease Live on Fox, which her performance got rave reviews. And- I, Who was she in Grease Live? She played Marty in Grease Live. That's right, she did. Yeah. And I remember I I was not a huge fan of Grease. Like, I, I'm not a huge fan of, like, the live musicals on TV. Some yeah. of them are good. Because they're hell. Are, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I remember watching that one, and she was a standout. Like, she was really, really good. And, I mean, Marty has the one song, Freddie My Love, which a lot of people don't know about because it wasn't in the movie. But she Fun fact, Sabrina and I it. both were in Grease. Separate productions. <laughs> I was too! What? <laughs> <laughs> we are Grease Lightning! Sorry. <laughs> Wait. 
who who are you in Greece? I was the fucking ensemble. Don't play with me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Let me re-say that. I was in the ensemble. Don't play with me. <laughs> I was uh, I was Patty Simcox, so just barely a step above ensemble. And I was Marty, so just a barely step above that. Oh, I'm so... happy for you guys. <laughs> I can't believe Sabrina played Kiki Palmer. Oh my gosh, we're on the call with Kiki Palmer. <laughs> Oh no. Okay, Chidera, Sabrina, I don't know if you'll know this, but Chi, I feel like you definitely know the Kiki Palmer meme. Yes! Every <laughs> single one! I don't know this man. <laughs> Sorry to this man. Oh, I forgot about that one. No, I was talking about the one where it was like, this is my sister. She was killed by a speeding bullet train. <laughs> and then somebody said, baby, this baby, is Kiki Palmer. <laughs> But the sorry to this man, such a good one. And then the, I know it ain't, I know it ain't the stallion. <laughs> Kiki Palmer, most memeable. <laughs> she is so funny. And she used to have a talk show that I did not watch and then it got canceled. And now people are like, oh, we miss you on television. And she's like, well, you didn't watch my Forsaken show. So <laughs> whose fault is that? <laughs> No, I, like, all of her interviews, she is so funny and blunt, and I adore her. Um, <laughs> I and saw that, walking down the street, I wouldn't know a thing. And that talk show that you're talking about was called Strahan, Sarah, and Kiki, which I believe she won, like, a daytime Emmy for. And she also starred in the film Hustlers, which is a Hustlers. great film. And she stars in a... What Wikipedia says is a web television series, which I'm a little confused on what that means, but it's called Turned Up with the Taylors, which I believe she's also won a award for. And her upcoming roles include two 2022 films. One is called Alice, where she plays the lead Alice, and then a film called Nope, which has a TBA on her role. And she will be Maya in the Proud Family, Louder and Prouder. Amazing. So I guess now it's time for all of us to kind of wrap up our thoughts in a nice little bow and figure out where we're going to put this on the ranking. So Jadera, I would love for you to go first. Wrap up your thoughts. So I love it. And I was worried that nostalgia was kind of like part of the reason that I love it. And maybe it is. I'm I'm going to be real with y'all. Like maybe I just love it because I saw so much of like myself and like maybe I'm just like held back by nostalgia. I really really love this movie and I do think that it has like a lot of flaws, but underneath those flaws is this really 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 beautiful heart and this really deep tie to culture and to this like really fun, really important like complex story and I think that it really works for the audience that it's going for and it's just like a story that we really need about fighting gender expectations not being held back by what your family expects from you being your own person it's just a lot of really great messages that I think were done really well yeah I mean I I agree with you I think the story is great I think it it's a good script all of the dialogue felt very natural the double dutch was sick as hell. And uh, like I said, I do think my biggest problem with it was, you know, I think we had a great payoff, not enough groundwork. It kind of left me wanting more 
but not in the way that you want. But I think that like the things that they tackled and achieved were so well done. I just, like I said, I wish we had 30 more minutes. I wish this had been a two hour movie. And I, I really do think that it could, this would have been flawless if they had the time to flesh out the relationships and these side characters. Yeah, I, I completely agree with both of you. Um, and I, I really enjoyed watching this movie. And I think it's one of the deeper decoms um, with some really like heavier hitting messages. And although they probably could have dug into them a little deeper if they had more of the time and kind of fleshed them out, like you said, it could have been a really, really well done movie. And I think it is as it is a well done movie. I think the script is great. I thought it was enjoyable. There were a little like little hiccups here and there. But overall, this is absolutely a movie I would watch again and recommend people to watch even as adults. Yeah. So for the ranking, I was looking at putting it above High School Musical initially because I think that it's I think that it does the be yourself plot a little bit better. Yeah. But as I'm looking at the list, is it better than Halloween Town? Oh, I don't know, because I also I don't know if it's better than Back on Board because Back on Board was really good. Back on Board was really good. I think Back um, on Board had better relationships and better characters, yes. but the I think the execution, like the there were littler things that bothered me. See, and that's the thing with my negatives on this one. There are a lot of little things that are not super significant. I think I would agree with you on like just I wish we had more time to develop everything yeah, a little more. That's the thing is like, do we judge this movie on what it is or what it could be? Because like I said, if this movie had more time, I think it could have been flawless. Yeah. Agree. And so, like, do we judge it on its potential or what we're given? And I think we have to look at what we're given, which still is amazing. Which we are still given is something great. great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think with the themes and the writing, overall, the messages were like did come through. They weren't as fleshed out as we would want them to be, but they got the basis of the message through with what time they had. So I think that's also we have to take into consideration. There are some really great messages and themes in this movie and there are multiple of them and they tackled yeah. them all and i think that's something that other these other movies that we have on top only have like one of like one overarching theme where they had multiple and they did them pretty well for what they had so I i'm flipping back to my notes on halloween town because as much as i loved johnny capahala back on board i think i'm holding on to it so much so hard because it surprised me and it definitely wins hidden gem like of for the sure. list of like hidden gems that surprised us. I have more negatives for Halloween Town than I do for Jump In. I have more significant negatives for Halloween Town than I do for Jump In. Like, yeah. like I have structure notes and storyline plot notes for Halloween Town. And I, I don't have really that for Jump In at all. <laughs> I don't even. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I sound like that? Oh my god. I am I I am comfortable and I, I'm making a movement to put jump in in the number three slot above Halloween Town. I think I'll and now I'm thinking under wraps. I don't I don't um, think under wraps. I don't think I don't think under wraps, but I do think 
Okay. I can go with I think you that above if, Halloween I think Town. That, I think that if we had gotten the extra 30 minutes, definitely above under wraps. But that's judging it on what it what it could have been. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can go above Halloween Town. And I can be confident there. Okay. Okay. And we can always rearrange. We all we we that's have talked true. about maybe like looking at the list again at some yeah. point. Maybe like when we hit 25. Um, yeah, just reevaluating. Yeah. So wow, yeah, that puts jump in at number three. On our list of 18 movies. This is crazy that we had two episodes in a row that like ended up in top five. Yeah. I mean, they were both really good movies. They were. <laughs> so, Janera, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. Like, thank oh, you guys. So great. Thank you guys uh, so much for having me. Is there is there anything that you want to plug while you're here? I know you talked about your play last time. How's that going? It's going very well. I It's going up in March. And also in March, I will be in a show, Sonnets for a New Century. Ooh, so, wow. yeah, I've got things coming up. Nice. Well, Congrats. if you're in the Morgantown area, please check out Chidera's shows going yes. up. That's so exciting. I'm so happy to be here and thank you for having me. Oh, you're just the best. Of course. <laughs> okay, so thank you all for listening. Please join us back next week as we continue our Black History Month celebration. We will be watching The Color of Friendship. I am so excited for this movie. I don't remember much about it, but I remember liking it as a kid. And I remember it being one of those ones where I wish they showed it more. And we will be having another repeat guest. This month, we are going to have two repeat guests, two new guests. We will be welcoming back my dear, dear friend, Ayana Henry, to the show. And we are so excited to have her back. So yeah, please join us back next week for Color of Friendship. So Megan, where can you find us online? As always, you can find us over on Instagram at Disney Channel Unoriginal Pod. Also, if you like the podcast, you can subscribe, you can rate us five stars, and if you really want to, you can leave us a review and tell us what DCOM you want to hear about next, and it just helps other people find us and helps build our community. Yeah. We release new episodes every Sunday, so until next time, I'm Megan. I'm Jadera. And I'm Sabrina, and you've been listening to DCOM. The Disney Channel Unoriginal Podcast. Dun, 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 dun.